Welcome to Cancel Culture, the Business of Love podcast brought to you by Byfield. Welcome back to Cancel Culture, the Business of Love podcast. Uh, this week, I am joined by William Peake, uh, Global Managing Partner at Harneys. Um, hello, William. How are you? Hey, Meg. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Thank you so much for for, for joining us this week. Um, so tell us more of, a bit a bit more about Harneys. So my understanding from your website is you've got 177 lawyers across 12 locations, uh, many of which are in kind of the Caribbean um, area. So give me a bit more uh, information. Yeah, sure, sure. Very, very, very happy to. First of all, before I do that, though, uh, Meg, congratulations on your uh, recent promotion. Uh, Thank I'm you really very glad much. that you've. I'm glad you've stepped down a rung again to speak to me. So uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, Harneys, we are a global offshore law firm. We're one of the uh, significant players in that space. We do have offices jotted all across the globe. Uh, we've got a strong presence in BVI, Cayman, throughout Asia, and we've got the full kind of Orion's belts in Asia of Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Singapore. Uh, we also mm. have a significant presence in London, which is where I am based. And uh, my job is to try and conduct that orchestra uh, in conjunction with the firm's executive committee. Uh, it's a fantastic uh, opportunity for me. It's something I really enjoy. Tick, mm. tick, really, tick, really seriously, and uh, something that is a hugely rewarding position mm. to see when it, when it all, when all of that choreography uh, plays off. Wow. Well, I hope that's going quite well for you. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's a, it's a real task, and it must be quite a change of pace. Yeah, it's good. I mean, so my my background is as is as a litigator, uh, and that's something that I still obviously uh, still practice. But I do have a significant focus on on the management element. Yeah. But I think that your relevance as a lawyer is defined by whether or not you do actually have have a practice, because that's when clients feel that. Uh, authenticity of of experience, and they're mm. actually dealing with an individual who is aware of the hot button topics that are impacting both their business field and uh, us on the on the lawyer's side. Mm-hmm. Well, um, should we dig into the stories of the day? Let's do this. So let's start first with a bit of tech, um, a couple of tech stories. So the first one uh, was in the Law Society Gazette this week, um, and it was about um, how some compliance experts had warned uh, lawyers, especially at the junior end, at a conference, um, I think last week, about using social media and platforms like WhatsApp as well um, to talk to clients. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting because it's, it's something, especially at least in the in in the UK, the SRA kind of is quite strict with um, client relationships and mistakes that can be mm-hmm. made there. Uh, I don't know if you if if the regulator and 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 kind of Cayman Islands and British Origin Islands is as on. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a real issue. I mean, look, it's a real issue for us because you know what what are we at the end of the day? We are yeah. a service provider. Uh, so we are responding to our clients' needs, and some of our clients they do want to communicate via uh, via WhatsApp. They do want to mm. communicate, certainly in Asia, via WeChat. And yeah. the my, I, I 
this is a topic that I've actually given given some thought to, and we, we we've discussed a lot actually amongst our uh, senior management ranks. Is it's not only uh, that it's it's off your email address, but it's also what uh, WhatsApp messages encourage in terms of a formality and in yeah. terms of whether is this a properly considered response. So you can and also you know you can flip off whatsapp so quickly and you can get into a rhythm of of communicating uh mm. that that does does it have the requisite analysis does it have the requisite contemplation behind responding to that but for example when i'm chatting to our uh crypto teams you know the, the phil graham's mark pianos of this world they will say to me uh look Charles Dickens, uh, this is what clients want. This is what clients expect. Wow. And they they are in, you know, in never-ending uh loops of of conversation with with clients because it's a completely uh contemporary way yeah. to to communicate. And uh, you know, we're we're a far cry from me watching my uh supervising partner as a trainee. Uh, photocopying a text message that he'd received on his phone that he was going to put on the hard copy file yeah. to ensure that the, the client's communications were covered. Uh, so yeah, so it's it's something that all all law firms are are grappling with. And I, I wasn't surprised to read that article in in the Gazette because there's also then issues around you know around discoverability around yeah. people deleting whatsapp chains which are actually of course recoverable uh, yeah. and you know and that's come up in multiple multiple trials uh, over the years definitely i think i mean we've seen it in the uk with you know politicians going through that in recent months but also i don't know if you follow that at all in the uk um the kind of whole the whole Deckard stuff and, and Neil Jarrett stuff in the UK that happened over the years. And, you know, at the time it was meeting with journalists in secret and, and other people in secret, but nowadays you could easily do that, you know, through WhatsApp and whatnot. And and in those cases, it's kind of, you know, how you're communicating with people and not just clients. I think it's, it's you know, anyone really clients are the primary kind of issue, but I think anyone else, you know, if you're giving confidential information to anyone outside of of kind of the issue itself I mean you're endangering a lot of people here um so it's really interesting I'd be really keen to see what the regulators do about it um if they're going to issue any further guidance on this and kind of may maybe get a bit more uh harsh <laughs> uh on this in the coming months or years yeah, absolutely. And I think it will it will become a topic that gets that gets a lot more scrutiny. Uh, hopefully, they'll extend it to my family WhatsApp group and my mum's insistence <laughs> on posting on posting memes, uh, which are genuinely some of the most unfunny material you you've ever seen. But I don't I don't know if the regulators are going to get into that per se. No, I'm not sure they will. Um, but <laughs> story was in the old cheek this week uh, again a tech story which is quite interesting it's been booming for the past what six months um so according to a thomson reuters survey 82 percent of the lawyers who took the survey agreed that uh, chat gpt and other kind of ai software of that kind could be applied to their day-to-day -day jobs uh interestingly um 50 percent 
of those people said it should be applied to their job, while 25% of people said it shouldn't be, which I think is quite huge as well. What are your thoughts on the whole kind of whether or not legal the legal industry should should be using AI? Uh, it's quite a big debate here. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get to the bottom of this one Meg, <laughs> over the next over the next five minutes. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's really interesting. I mean, look, we're we're really. Uh, you know, really tech focused firm, you know, we have yeah. an internal uh, Harney's tech division with some, you know, wizards in an enchanted forest, and they're all, you know, fantastic at actually grappling with these new technologies. Look, this this is where the world is, is going. Yeah. So there's no point, there's no point resisting it. And I think that the, 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 the death of lawyers has been you know much much exaggerated right right now but who, mm. who knows where 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 we're going to where we're going to go to because it is it's the empathy and the emotional intelligence that make clients return to you because yeah. you know to some extent a lot of lawyers are robotic in terms of how <laughs> they you know in terms of how, maybe maybe lawyers were ahead of ai before anybody else but you know they are robotic there is no varnish of emotional intelligence and actually care and empathy yeah and you know we we actually talk about that a lot internally in harneys that you know when you're going to a firm of you know of our size our caliber it's it's a given that you should be getting impeccable legal advice but it's mm. not a it's not a given that it's going to be quite a pleasant experience and mm. i think you know the austerity of how AI naturally communicates will will always give us that um, give us that one one up. But yeah, it's a fascinating. But it is a fascinating fascinating debate. But and, and to some extent, you know, for example, on a litigation side, you know, we've looked at discovery tools over the mm. years that allows there to be rather than having you know a phalanx of paralegals reviewing documents are their efficiencies and this that's what this is all about this is about the client experience and how much this is costing and if there are obvious ways to pass on savings and efficiencies to clients then absolutely um we we're gonna we're gonna lean into that and and make sure that we're not just make sure we're not we're not frightened of it mm. because I, I i'm always reminded of um of something that Jane Colston, you know, the days of lawyers glamorizing how bad they are with technology mm. are are gone. That now just freaks clients out. Uh, and you know, as somebody who used to come out in hives when somebody mentioned a Dropbox, uh, I've I've managed to get myself slightly slightly further further up the curve. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, I think. Um... I think this kind of technology, if it's going to come into the industry, first of all, I think it needs to come with some regulation, which I, at the moment in the UK at least doesn't really yeah. exist. And number two, I think um, it, it has to come with a lot of training as well, um, because I think a lot of people are scared yeah. because they don't. It's it's the foreign kind of thing. It's the, it's the unknown. Uh, but I think if they familiarize themselves a bit more and knew how efficient it is and how inefficient it can be in some ways and kind of uh, how to use it properly. I reckon yeah. actually it, it would make a whole lot of difference. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of AI. I think it's quite dangerous personally, <laughs> but I can see how in a job like that, um, it would facilitate everyone's life, you know. Yeah. Um, it speaks speaks very highly of you, Meg, by the way. But uh, <laughs> just, well, just, 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 I don't want to breach any confidences, but 
AI is a huge fan of BiFeed. Uh, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's it's fascinating, and I mean, I guess I mean we'll all we'll, we've all seen kind of ANO and all that ad- adopting AI um, into their systems. I think there's more on the way. Uh, we didn't see a big wave like you would see with you know DNI things and whatnot, where you've got one from doing one thing and then you've got twenty doing the same thing. We've not seen that yet, but I think it's I think it's because precisely because people are a bit kind of where do we yeah. stand with this? Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. To, to, I mean, a and could have made our lives a lot easier if they called it Harney and not Harvey. Uh, we could have <laughs> yes. we we traded off the back of that for years. Uh, but uh, what, what would you like call it. yours? Um, that's, yeah, that's for the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Next up uh, is a story, um, I think it was in the Law Society Gazette as well, yeah. Uh, the Legal Services Board uh, opened a call for evidence on um, on kind of uh, the the on on lawyers' uh, conduct uh, and the, the the role that it plays in the misuse misuse of NDAs, which is really interesting because this is such a big thing. Well, at least in the UK, uh, I would assume in the US too, but in the UK it's massive at the moment. Um, it's interesting because I mean I don't know I think I think the the consultation is ending in mid July this year, uh, so it should be interesting to see kind of what comes out of that and and what guidance they come up with. But it's definitely going to change a lot of people's or practices kind of um, in London at least. Um, I have so many issues with that story though because it's interesting that they're looking at that and they should be, but at the same time it's you know how can anyone prove that an NDA was misused in the first place, kind of, you know, they have, there's no current um, guidance from the regulators as to what lawyers who misuse them would risk. Um, yeah. And kind of, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Atul? Uh Yeah, no, because it's slightly chicken and egg as well with an NDA of whether or not it's actually been, been, been breached. So you can imagine... Christopher Nolan doing a very good film on it, uh, but but the I mean the NDA's question was really interestingly uh, rehearsed during during the Harvey Weinstein trials yeah, yeah. and uh, Zelda Zelda Perkins, Zelda yeah. Perkins yeah. yeah who from Camp is it it's Camp by My Silence uh, you know, she she had a great article in the Guardian uh, around that I think last year and about how they can be they can be misused and mm. they can actually um you know they can be used as a, as a charter for for significant significant harm and mm. and I do think that 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 was such a groundbreaking moment in yeah. terms of actually flushing out that question and you know, wrapping a, a real morality and equity to the use of those use of those documents. So, mm. I think it is a debate that will that will continue in earnest. And uh, again, you know, slightly slightly similar to kind of you know AI parameters. That's just something that people are are talking about a lot. It's a real you know topic du jour, uh, and I think people will continue to 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 debate it. So this uh, week, um, Linklater's in A&O 
announced that they were rising, they, they, they were increasing their NQ salaries to 125,000 uh, pounds per year from 107.5 before, which uh, is quite a big jump uh, yeah. for, for people who've been trained for only two years. Um, but I mean, again, that's not a surprise. We know that in the UK, at least, there's a big, you know, war for talent going on. Uh, they're trying to keep up with their US counterparts. Fine. Uh, that was expected. Interestingly, we've not seen many US firms uh, given out bigger salaries recently, which is quite unusual because they usually do. Uh, but that may come. We'll see. Um, I mean, from your perspective, um, do you think that's justified in any way? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's what the market it's what the market drives. And, you know, I suspect the reason the US firms haven't gone any higher is that they are dealing with, um, you know, rev revenue and costs issue that you, you can only put salaries up so high. And, and this yeah. is something that all, uh, all businesses are grappling with. And what employees are looking for now is the the days of throwing money at the problem are are gone. Of course, salary is a huge part um, yeah. of it. But the binary choice between will I go for a massive salary and a terrible workplace experience or will I go for a lower salary and a better workplace experience? Or yeah. it, that's no those are no longer the options. You've got to give people both. And uh, that's something that we spend a lot of time trying to be that considerate progressive uh, employer and you know how do you how do you toggle uh with that entire package you know there's things around flexible working there's things around you know having a genuine code of conduct that treats people as as adults and yeah. uh, you know when i was younger uh, you know if i if i'd asked to work from home you know people would say no you'll you'll sit around watching cash in the attic. Uh, yeah. Whereas now, you know, um, there's other daytime TV programs I could be accused of, but not now it's just, there's such a bigger, a much more maturity uh, towards that approach. And COVID has really driven that because yeah. it's shown that you can work effectively remotely. Now, you need to be quite careful there, of course, because yes, yes, an entire remote workforce was successful during COVID, but why, why was that? It was because everybody was doing it so there was mm. a consistency to it and we're certainly finding that you know bringing people back into the office is actually drawing is re uh capturing all of that social capital yeah. that allowed us to work allowed us to work remotely and that needs to be needs to be topped up so i you know like the salaries question in in the likes of london and new york will will continue to rage uh and it's also tacked to i mean you're dealing with a cost of living crisis yeah. as well so some of these jumps are in real terms uh completely justified as a result of the fact that it's you know it's so expensive to actually do anything especially you know as you know especially in the city of london yeah uh, yeah it's you know it's outrageous yeah yeah definitely at the same time you know if you think about it from a client perspective i can't imagine them being very happy to see these announcements when uh they themselves are a lot of them are grappling with well you know a, a kind of um economic kind of issues as well that are you know ongoing in the country and having to mm. like inflation and whatnot there's a lot going on for clients and i think for the past year a lot of clients have been saying you know this this 
salary war has got to calm down because there's only so much we can afford. Um, obviously, that's not true for all companies, but it's it's really interesting. I'd be really keen to see. I mean, we've not heard anything from GC so far, but I'd be really keen to hear from them about not necessarily about link letters and ANO specifically because they're still below what US firms are paying. But still, um, I, I think... I'd be really keen to hear from them and see whether or not, I mean, I'm sure they would say it's not really justified uh, for a lot of them, which makes sense from their perspective. But, but um, clients get but clients get nervous when they see those salary hikes because they know at the end of the day that cost is going to be passed on to them in some shape or form. So if they had a choice between you having, uh, you know, a fine art collection in your reception or mm. you had uh cheaper bills i suspect i know what what most of what most of my clients would would go for yeah i'm sure uh no i thought it was a really interesting story but um any other things that you've picked up in the market recently that you want to talk about uh not really i mean to, to be honest with you it's everybody's just talking about ai you know they're, they're everybody's know. just just fa fascinated with it as a as a concept and, and as something as to where where will it go and what is the next stage of is it you know the god complex of actually introducing empathy actually introducing that real uh human element to to how it's how it's performed because you know you can see that it's becoming less and less clunky and clumsy as yeah. uh as the days go by so yeah just people are really really fascinated uh fascinated by that or maybe we could just have training for lawyers to be a bit less robotic as well. <laughs> Instead of relying on AI to be unrobotic, <laughs> maybe we could yeah. train lawyers <laughs> to be if, a bit more, you, you know. Yeah. If you can, if you can uh, invent that panacea, uh, uh, you'll be you'll be a very very wealthy very wealthy person. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but listen, I mean, it's been so lovely to have you on the show. Are you doing anything for this bank holiday weekend? Are you celebrating at all? I mean, I, I hear that uh, you're Irish, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, yeah, no, I will be. I will be. I will be celebrating. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm actually going back home to uh, back home to Strangford County Down for the long for the long weekend. Oh, so I'm okay. really, really, really looking forward to it. So. Uh, so I can have the opportunity to celebrate with my family. Yeah, I mean, they're saying it's probably going to rain this weekend. I hope not. Uh, it would be nice to to have a bank holiday where it's actually, you know, slightly warm because it's been so cold recently and where we can actually enjoy yeah. ourselves a bit more. <laughs> but uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but I, I, being from Maryland, I only really deal in rain. So uh, yeah. that's, you know, I've got, I've got that covered. Well, thank you so much for for joining me this week again. Uh, it, it was it was uh, really lovely to have you on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah, absolute absolute pleasure. Really really enjoyed it, Meg. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, to the listeners, uh, we're available uh, on uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Um, and we'll be back next week for another episode. Thank you very much. The Council Culture, the Business of Law podcast brought to you by Byfield. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and join us again next week where we'll be discussing some more of the biggest stories in the legal sector.